What's going on, guys? This is Gary. This is Josh. Let's talk soccer. How you doing, my boy? I'm good. How are you? <clears throat> I'm doing all right, man. Um, Premier League season is over. I, I don't have. Uh, I feel like I don't have a purpose anymore. Um, yeah, it's odd. It's very weird. Not looking, uh, looking forward to another game week. Yeah, as much as you know, it's stressful as an FPL manager, especially, and especially in our role. You know, I think we have a sense of responsibility to get up really, really early on a Saturday morning so that we can uh, post the lineups for the early game or you know keep track of all these different stats and expected goals and all that kind of stuff, So, which we really, really enjoy. But it's extremely time-consuming and always top of mind. So for that to be gone all of a sudden, like very abruptly, even though we knew the season was coming to an end, it just it leaves a big hole. Yeah, for sure. Does. Now, the good news is that we had what? From the day that, that this previous season ended, we had 48 days until the start of the next season. So that's not that long. Yeah, it's just right around the corner now. You figure uh, FPL will probably open up somewhere around two weeks, give or take, before the start of the new season. new season starts on the 12th of September. That's maybe four weeks or so. Uh, probably at the most, that we'll have to wait. So uh, the good news is that all of the things that we love and all the things that drive us crazy are going to be back um, shortly. Yep. <clears throat> so um, I'm happy about that. It's nice to have a little bit of a break, though, for sure. But if everyone listening right now is anything like us, they're already starting to plan their FPL team for next season. Yeah, we're just we're already sort of sort of figuring out what players we want, who are like the key players we need. Yeah, um, and then obviously when the actual when they actually started back up, that's when we sort of start to build the other smaller pieces of the team. But we right. we like to start by having some key players we know who. Good we point. Want. Good point. And we're going to go through some of those <clears throat> in a minute. But what we thought we'd start with first is a little bit of a recap of our season. Um, Starting first with, and we've seen a lot of people on social media posting these types of things and asking these types of questions. First up, um, a player or any players that we had for the entire season, so from game week one all the way through game week 38 plus, I looked back, you know how many players we had from week one to week 38 plus consistently throughout the season? Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. We only had one. Trent Alexander-Arnold, and that was it. And that's a great one to have for sure because he built a ton of value throughout the season. But that was surprising to me. Yeah, we also had uh, Kevin De Bruyne for 36 weeks. Right. So pretty much, we, we pretty much had him for yeah. the whole time. But for all 38, only Trent. And it makes sense why we had him. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, I mean, he led for points for defenders. He had an amazing amount of assists, goals, he, he, especially for a right back. Yeah. Um, he was high in a lot of attacking categories. Yeah, exactly. So we definitely made the very smart choice to keep him for the mm -hmm. whole time. You know, and he's he's going to be expensive this next season. And I guess you can kind of look at it as you would invest. So let's just say he starts the season at 8 million pounds. If you had... 
a midfielder that had that was on free kicks, was on corners <clears throat> to a large extent, um, had the ability to assist the way that he does, the ability to score the occasional goal that he does, plus gets points for clean sheets, which midfielders don't. Well, they get one, but it's sort of Doesn't negligible. Really would you would you put that midfielder in your team? And the answer is probably yes. So that's kind of how I'm looking at Trent. He's going to be ridiculously expensive for a defender, but as a midfielder, and he's somewhere in between, it's not that bad of a, a yeah. price, really. That would be more of a, a, mid, a mid-priced uh, midfielder, maybe forward. So something to think about. I'm looking forward to when the new prices are coming out. There's a lot of speculation about a lot of things with prices for, uh, you know, some of the more premium players like a Trent, uh, Rashford, Martial, Bruno, players like that. And then, of course, some of the newer players coming in like a Werner or a Ziyech or something like that. That's always the tough thing when starting back up with FPL. We, ha- we experienced it this year where uh, if you go back two seasons, you had people like Doherty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think someone off the top of my head. Juan Basaka. Who were and even Trent, I even think, Trent, yeah, they were these value players that got them were then boosted up so much, right, that they sort of didn't fit the role anymore. Um, and I think that's going to happen for well, sure. It's going to happen this year. So it's really just about finding those, just finding the players, especially with. It's going to be difficult this year, especially that there's really no preseason. It's just right, right. back over. Yeah. Um, to find those players that sort of fit the role as the cheap. Uh, Yes. The chief person in the team. Yeah, the ones that sort of enable you, but also have a lot of potential. Um, You know, Bruno came in at a great price point when he came in at the end of January. Now, uh, with the immediate and lasting and consistent impact that he's had, there's no way FPL is going to price him in the seven millions again. He'll be probably, I don't know, Nine and a half to ten million, maybe. Yeah, somewhere along those lines. So. so, you know, building <clears throat> building a team is going to be a real challenge, and and we say that every year, right? But <clears throat> there are so many players that did so well. I mean, you look at Pulisic um, as an example. Great, affordable, differential. I mean, imagine what he's going to do in his first full year at Chelsea. Um, you know, I would imagine his price is going to go up. So, you know, like anything else in FPL, it's going to be about finding the guys, uh, of course, that, that fit into your budget, but also um, have the most potential. Because really, at the beginning of the season, you're, you're really sort of hedging your bets on potential because there's, there's no recent form to base things off of. Although, to your point, because this season ended so late and the new season is going to start in just a few weeks, maybe some of that form carries over. I don't know. Or at least hopefully some of the team form carries over. But that can be a topic for a podcast on another day. Um, Other questions that we've seen, the players that did best for us throughout the season, some of these we've had for long periods of time, others... Uh, maybe not quite as long, but for the time that we had them, for the most part, they did well. So, of course, Trent and KDB 
first and foremost. They were our stars the whole year. Yep. Uh, we had Sterling at some points, and he did amazing for us. Of course, Bruno, uh, Martial and Rashford especially, uh, once Bruno came onto the scene. Uh, Sala did well for us from time to time, um, especially kind of early in the season. Uh, both Pope and Henderson and goal did great for us. You know, it'd be interesting <clears throat> to see where Pope or where Henderson is this season. It would be a shame if, uh, Ole recalls him back to Manchester United only to have him sit on the bench behind De Gea. Yeah. Personally, I, I don't think that'll happen. I either think he's just going to be going back, back out on loan or he'll be starting. Considering, yeah, for at least for like the early cups, mm-hmm. like the Carabao Cup and the early rounds of the FA Cup, they mm-hmm. like to play Romero. Yeah, yeah, and I mean he's a great keeper. Uh, well, he deserves to start every game. Yeah, so, um, I I can really only see, I can't really see him just staying there, not playing. Yeah, I only I see him either just going back, probably yeah. to Sheffield. Yeah, or just replacing De Gea altogether. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we have access to him <clears throat> you know, as a regular starter on some team. Um, another topic that we've seen quite a bit, captain selections and sort of looking back over the course of the season on those. So I looked back at ours. <clears throat> we got it right, and here's how I'll define get it right, either um, or not getting it right, let's put it that way. Um, either a complete blank, which of course definitely didn't get it right or um you know maybe they had an attacking return in a game but there was another player in our team or maybe other players in our team that did you know exceedingly better so maybe maybe our guy our captain had an assist so that's something uh but maybe someone else on our team had uh two goals and an assist so you know definitely pick the wrong guy in that occasion. So, yeah, it's not necessarily saying he didn't do something. It's just there was a better option. There was, yeah, a much better option, you know, noticeably better option. So we got it right, quote-unquote, uh, 15 of the 38 times. So, you know, in those other 23 times, there were maybe some returns somewhere. Again, maybe most likely just an assist here and there. But that is not, um, that's not a, an encouraging number. And I know with with captains, it's a real uh, sort of moving target. But I think what we've seen time and again, and something that we haven't practiced, and I think we need to, is just pick a captain, set and forget it, or just alternate maybe between two captains. Because at some point, your captain's form will start to dip, and hopefully the other candidate's form starts to rise around that same time. So I think no more than two captain options, I think, is probably uh, is better to work with because, you know, if you have a team full of, you know, five or six different captain options, it's hard to find the one that's going to nail it. Yeah, you and know? it also just creates us problems just <laughs> debating back and forth with whether which, right. like, do we want him, him, or him? Because we found this at the end of the season tough. To pick which Man United player right to choose, yeah. When if we just stuck to just two players the whole season, like yep. we stick to De Bruyne, yeah, and Jostala, for example, yeah. So if we just switch between them, depending on matchup, yep. it keeps it keeps it more simple. 
Yep. So depending on our our team uh, next season, yeah, we will we'll definitely work sort of within the parameters of one, maybe two captain options the entire time. No matter who else we have on our team, that doesn't mean that our our other thirteen players are going to be terrible. It just means, um, you know, uh, it, it just seems like, and there's data to support that, you know, just keeping it on on one and again maybe two people is usually the best way to go. Um, so that is something that we will uh, start to practice. Uh, where did we end the season rank wise? We ended at 17k. Um, so not terrible. Not fantastic. Our goal was top 10K and even had, had at points of the season our, you know, thought that maybe top 5K was within our sights. I think the one of the, aside from the, the captaincy dilemmas that we had, I think our biggest, well, two things, our two biggest flaws were taking hits too much. Um, I think we did that. I think we had... 40 points in hits uh, throughout the season. And I can't conclusively say that the hits we took netted out in more points than the points lost. Yeah, we probably lost. lost. Yeah. We probably lost a few points yeah. based off of them. We probably did. So if you, just, if, you, if you take away those, let's say it was even... We lost 10 points. Yeah. That's... That's a big difference. That's, that makes... Like, 10 points doesn't sound like a lot, but... In the long run, that's yeah a lot of spots be made uh, that we could have made up. Absolutely, not taking those. Absolutely. So <clears throat> that is something that we did that we definitely plan not to do because we want that rank as as high as possible. And um, the the other part of it is our team was too template. You know, we were so concerned with effective ownership of players. You know that oh my gosh, if we don't have this guy and he has a good game, our our rank is doomed versus what's going to give us the best chance to increase our rank more significantly. Because we saw a lot of green arrows, especially I think like the last, say, five or six game weeks of the season. They were all green arrows, but they were small. You know, they were 1,100, you know, maybe, maybe 2,000, maybe 500. So, you know, it was... It was productive, but not as much as we wanted, I think. So that is something new that we'll, uh, we'll get into next season. All right, let's, uh, before we start to look ahead to next season, let's talk about our best 11. And this is not FPL related, because otherwise we would just take the, the highest points. Yeah, the dreams. Earners. All right. Um, this is real-life IRL teams that that we think were the best 11. Um, we'll go by position. All right. In goal, who was your goalkeeper? Uh, so I had Henderson okay. of Sheffield United. Uh, I just think he had a great season. I think mm -hmm. I think he put up great numbers, especially with a with a fairly solid defense. Their defense actually had great numbers the mm -hmm. whole season. Um so, yeah, a newly I, promoted team too. Yeah, to show they really probably they were probably the most surprising team over yeah. the whole season. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they finished ninth, I think. Yeah. So <clears throat> Henderson, he's a great one. I debated between him and my choice, Nick Pope, 
uh, missed out on the Golden Glove, but, you know, what an amazing season he had. You know, Burnley not necessarily known for their defensive prowess, so, um, you know, he, a lot like Henderson, made some amazing saves, kept his team in games, uh, kept a lot of clean sheets, and, you know, by the end of the season, his team was really, really working hard for him to keep that clean, sh- clean sheet and get that Golden Glove. Unfortunately, uh, they conceded two. So as an FPL manager, that was <clears throat> heartbreaking as well. But all along, a, a great season for him. All right, defenders. I think we each had four, and I think we each had exactly the same. Yes. Would you like to? Yes. So we had Trent at right back, obviously. Uh, Joe Egan and... John. John Egan. Yep. Um, and Virgil van Dijk. Yep. Um, and Robertson. I love yep. that. Yeah, hard to ignore the three Liverpool guys and Joe Egan. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, lots of other great center backs for sure. But, again, on a newly promoted team, Egan... Uh, came on really strong sometimes, had some attacking returns, you know, and is, was sort of central uh, to that Sheffield United defense that, again, got them ninth place as a newly promoted team. That is not, you know, that's not a small accomplishment. Yeah, I think that's, it's actually pretty great when you think about it. Um, yeah. It was between Egan and um, Suyenshu for me. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a great one. I didn't pick Suyenshu because I, I feel like just over the season, he progressively just got a little bit worse. I think he had a really good start to the season. Yeah. But I don't think he kept that sort of consistent form well, and throughout. Start- and especially at like the last weeks, he didn't even play because he got suspended. Yeah, yeah. He didn't keep his composure for sure. That that um, that red card uh, in the three-game suspension really hurt his team. I yeah, mean, for all we know, he was probably the, like a main reason why they didn't get yeah. Champions League. Yeah. Um, Obviously, they were missing a lot of players like Madison at the end as well, but... Yeah, and other defenders, too, like Pereira and Chilwell, but but centrally... Yeah, and being that sort of key... Yeah, being that key center back. um, Yeah. So important, and he sort of let his team down. And even, you know, a presence on corners and things like that. I definitely think uh, he let let his team down for sure. All right, in the midfield, then, we have some different... Different opinions here. Uh, we have three midfielders. I'll go first this time. I have De Bruyne. How can you argue against that? Um, I have Bruno Fernandez. Again, how can you argue against that? Although you did. Um, and I wasn't sure about my third one. There's probably a lot of options. I put Pulisic. As an American. Yeah, we have American uh, pride right I'm now. waving my American flag. But look at the... The impact. You know, when I look at this, I look at impact. So Bruno didn't play an entire season, and certainly neither did Pulisic. But look at the impact that both of them had on their teams. Look at how Pulisic performed against Man City and uh, against Liverpool. I mean, big games, right? These weren't, these weren't you know, bottom of the table, you know, uh, you know easy sort of kick back and relax and we're going to win type of fixtures. And there's more examples of that, but I think he was a game changer for them. And the thing was with him is not only did he just sort of deliver, he delivered and more. Mm-hmm. Like against Liverpool, if he played the whole game, 
I guarantee you they would have won. In like he turned that game in like fifteen around. minutes, he had a goal and an assist. And that assist, he he just tore through the whole defense. Yeah, um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, he had just great impact. And in my opinion, he was a top five Premier League player after the restart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yet to consider also also um the first half of the season or around there. He wasn't even really like a starter for most of it, and he was still putting up good stats mm-hmm. um, because Frank Lampard was new to the system, right. he was trying to figure it out, and Pulisic wasn't playing a lot. But then once he started going, yeah, there was no stopping him. I think he's going to be a great player for them going into this next season. Um, all right, let's get into your midfielders. All right, so I also had De Bruyne. Uh-huh. Uh, if we were to pick a player of the season, it would be him. Mm-hmm. I had Grealish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably picked him over Bruno Fernandez. Mm-hmm. Generally, I think Bruno had more, like stats-wise, he had yeah. probably a bigger impact. Uh-huh. But I think if you look at the team Grealish was around, right, it was only him and he hurt, hurt and sold that team. Yeah, he he single-handedly kept Villa yes. up, even with some controversy. Um, <laughs> the, the if goal. they should have stayed up or not, yeah, the amount. For now, at least, for the amount he did, yeah, I think he's deserving of a spot. Well, you knew that if there was going to be a Villa goal on that last day that was going to give them a chance to stay up, it was coming from him. Yeah, it had to be him because they didn't really have a team. Like, it was just no. give him the ball and just yeah, just create something. McGinn at, at points here and there, but he was the the clear leader of that team. I think that's a great choice. And who's your third? Uh, I had Kovacic of uh-huh. Chelsea. Um, he didn't have a ton of assists, didn't have a ton of goals, but I just. I think he had a. I think he had a really good season mm-hmm. in a in a pretty good midfield. Uh, I think Chelsea overall had a, had a great year, and I think he was a key part of that. Now it's controversial. Neither of us picked um, Jordan Henderson, who um, a lot of people for some reason think that he should, or a lot of a lot of more uh, like pundits and mm-hmm. writers think. He should be the player of the season, which I just completely don't agree with. I don't even think don't he's either. a top five player this season at Liverpool. If you take away the fact that he's English and he runs a lot, what what else does he really do? He doesn't really contribute with goals. He doesn't contribute with assists. No. His defensive stats are also very similar to Kevin De Bruyne's, so I don't see much of what he's. I think De Bruyne got robbed. I agree, and if you take if you take away the fact that he won the Prem, if you put Right. Let's say you switch him and Kovacic, and you put him in Chelsea's midfield, and he has the exact same performances. Right. No one's gonna look. No one's gonna look equation. at him. He's just gonna be like, "Oh, right. okay, he was all right." Right. It's simply due to the fact that that's slight English bias. Yep. And the fact that he was the captain in a winning team, and I think it's the writers need to realize that. It's the individual award. The team award is the Premier League. Right. That's your award for right. the team. Right. He won that, fair enough. But the best player was Kevin De Bruyne. Yes. <clears throat> Agreed. It, you know, maybe the writers uh, have access to things that we don't, like, uh, you know, what Henderson's leadership in the dressing room is like, or, you know, uh, being able to hear him lead his team out on the pitch. Maybe there's things like that. That we're not hearing, because there's certainly more to it than just the physical play alone. There's the <clears throat> sort of the the spiritual uh, leadership, the encouragement, the the getting the team on the same page sort of stuff, uh, organizing everyone. 
so maybe there's more to it than that. But if it's from a performance standpoint, I don't know how you can look past De Bruyne on that. Quite honestly, I mean, I just I don't see yeah. how you can make a case against that. But somehow, some people did. Um, so be it. Congratulations to Henderson. Uh, and then our forwards for our best eleven of the season. Again, this is IRL. This is not FPL. Uh, you want to go with your front three? Sure. All right. So I had Raheem Sterling. It was yep. it was sort of between him and Salah for me. Mm-hmm. Even Mane at mm-hmm. a point. Um, I I just decided to go with Sterling. Mm-hmm. I think he was I think he was really good this year. It was yeah. it was hard to deny how good he was. Um, the thing is he had very impressive stats, but those stats could be probably doubled if he just was clinical. I was gonna say I don't know how many big chances he fluffed, but he probably could have had. 30 goals. Yeah, it's crazy thinking because we were saying Sterling isn't clinical, but he still puts up 20 a season. Right. And he he's, As he's, a winger. Yeah, as a winger. And no pens apart yeah. from one. Right, um, which he missed. Yeah. And then had to put it back in. Yeah. Um, I just think he was great. Yeah, um, that's a good one. I have Danny Ings. Yep. Uh, sort of like Grealish in a way. He wasn't on like the most standout team throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. But for what he did... And uh, Southampton was all right this year, but I think he was great. He yeah. he contributed so much. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he was even putting, I think he finished second or third in the Golden Boot third, race. I think, yeah, third. Yeah, third. Um, I think it's great how much he showed. Yeah. In a team where he had less support than many other teams. Uh, he was a clinical finisher. You know, if if Sterling wasn't, Danny Ings was because he didn't have that many. That many chances, really. Yeah, he just he made the most out of them. Yeah. And for my third, I chose Aubameyang. Yeah. Uh, it was a cl- it was tough to pick my third mm-hmm. because there was there's so many good options this yeah. year. But I decided to go with Aubameyang. I think Arsenal were very very below average, but he was the one sort of good thing about their season. Yeah. And he showed con- he showed really good consistency. Um, Last day of the season came yeah. up big. Not necessarily great for us, uh, for our FPL team. Oh, when we, we just got notification after notification. Oh, Aubameyang, goal, assist, goal. Um, yeah. But you can't deny how good he was this season. No. That's fair. Um, for my front three, like you, I had Sterling. Um, I had Sala. You know, he didn't set any records this season. But, you know, touches in the box shots on goal or just shots in general. Um, you know, he's always in the thick of it. Um, so hard to ignore him. And then my third in this one, like you hard to decide. I went with Martial. I, not too long ago, last season for sure. If not more recently, couldn't stand Anthony Martial probably because I didn't own him and he would, come up with the occasional goal and frustrate me because I didn't own him, but um, really respect his game. Uh, Certainly with Bruno coming in, his game only got better. I think he and Rashford, who was another one that I was considering uh, and should at least get some sort of an honorable mention in all of this, um, you know, just Martial really impressed me and and help that United team get into the top four, for sure. Yeah, he had some very important goals. Um, yeah, and the, with the addition of Bruno, I think that sort of just changed the, Definitely. the team a lot. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see, you know, so if they do get Sancho, where they put him, you know, how everyone shares the field together, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's especially interesting because when we're saying, I wonder how Sancho will do, it's also, I wonder what happens to Mason Greenwood at that point. Right, um, that's what I'm thinking. Because he's such a, especially at such a young age, he contributed so much to the team. Especially um, toward after the restart. Yeah, and... It's almost, it's almost like we don't want you. We you could take Sancho right now because he's also just he's he probably has more potential. Yeah, and he's currently better. But then it also it's, are you hurting the growth of this? Right. For at least in the prem, one of like the two or three top talents. <clears throat> I mean, do you maybe change your shape somehow, or uh, he probably, move someone into a different position? I don't know. Honestly, he I. I would just see him as a sub. Um, just give him whatever minutes Daniel James had because he's not very good. Give Greenwood. Yeah, just give Greenwood Daniel James's minutes because which is uh, a shame for Greenwood because I think he's shown that he deserves to start most games. Yeah, he's one of I think him, um, Saka, and Foden mm-hmm. are some some of the only young, like young players. Um, I'm not counting Trent as a young player because he's just yeah he's above them in level, but. They're some of the only young players that I think could start for a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, so those are our, our teams of the season. Again, real-life teams, not FPL. All right, sort of transitioning now from this previous season into the new season. And we posted these uh, on our on the Let's Talk Soccer Instagram page, too, if you want to look at those in detail because we also you know gave some description and some some context of them. Um, the the takeaways from the season that we will apply into this upcoming FPL season. The first season, we already kind of hit on this one. Take less hits. Really none, if possible. If you go and look at, you know, top players, top 10 players in the world, top probably 100 players in the world, they rarely, if ever, take hits. Yeah, um, there'd have to be a really good reason why, like a key injury in the team or something along those lines. Yeah, and the thing is with taking hits is you need so much more from your player to right. actually make a return. Yes. Because if you get you, let's say you have Vardy mm-hmm. and you trade him out for Ings, uh-huh. Vardy just gets two points. Right. You need a goal and at least a bonus point or something else from Ings. Right. To actually make it worth it, right? Because if if he just scores, that's and plays all yep. at least sixty, that's six points. That's just the same. Yep. So it's it's a pretty big ask of your player to actually get a return from a free from a hit. For sure. Yeah, there will have to be an extremely compelling reason. It's easy to do it, right? Um, but you know, if we're looking to, I mean, it feels like one of those things where we're just hurting our chances of getting a, a better rank because of that. Next up, we're going to be patient. And this is uh, a couple of different ways. We're going to stick with transfers. So if we transfer someone in, <clears throat> there's a reason why we transferred them in. You know, we're, we're, we usually don't chase points, which I think is something good. We're not super reactive in that way. Um, sometimes we might act a little bit too slowly in some cases, and and miss the form uh, that we were hoping to get from a particular player. But 
we're going to be patient with those that we bring in because form does dip and rise. So, you know, just because we brought in a player who we know is is a usual top performer or at least a strong performer, if they have, you know, sort of a a cooling off period of 3, 4, maybe even 5 game weeks, <clears throat> that's okay because we know we know what we're working with there. So I think that's an important one to allow them to come back into their form. Um, another way we're going to be patient is saving free transfers. So rather than feeling compelled to make a transfer each and every game week, um, we'll save them up so that you know we have two every other game week on average. So if we want to make changes, we can make bigger changes. It helps us avoid hits too. Um, and also we'll be okay maybe losing one of those free transfers because we can't carry over more than one free transfer into the next game week. So, you know, we'll be okay with those dropping off. Um, yeah, because we're not trying to look to make transfers just to right. just to make it. Yeah, and I know that's hard for a lot of FPL managers to uh, just see a free transfer slip away. All right, next up. If we see a player that we like, and that means through the eye test and watching them closely, definitely checking underlying stats, we're going to jump on that player earlier. This is not a points-chasing thing. This is a, a, an analysis of, you know, um, does this person make sense to have? Can we capture the form that this player is in still um, before that player dips back out of it. And that way too, we'll be able to get some players that will hopefully over the course of the season, you know, become uh, a Mason Greenwood type of player or something along those lines. Because, you know, looking at them and seeing promise and seeing that, you know, even maybe if they haven't scored a lot of goals, they're getting a lot of touches in the box. Uh, maybe they're getting a lot of shots off. They're getting a lot of service. Those sorts of things will eventually pay off. So that's what we're looking for. Um, <clears throat> we will, we already mentioned this one for captain, set and forget. One, maybe two of them. And I think that goes for goalkeeper too. We're just going to find a goalkeeper. We had both Pope and Henderson this past season. And there were a couple of times where we, we started the wrong guy and left point sitting on the bench. So, you know, we'll, we'll have an active uh, goalkeeper as a backup, but we're, we're going to have one guy and one guy only between the sticks. Um, we mentioned this one already. We're not going to be as concerned or really concerned at all, hopefully, about effective ownership. Um, something that we started to do towards the end of the season and we'll continue to do more is, is incorporate more data into our decisions. So, you know, key underlying stats, uh, expected goals, expected assists, uh, assists, uh, touches in the box, shots in the box, you know, uh, uh, big chances created, big chances, things like that. So um, we will continue to use that more and more because that's extremely helpful. Um, and lastly, we're not going to let the social media bubble influence our decisions, especially on Twitter. Um, there's a very active uh, and strong uh, community out there, and it's they're fantastic. A lot of super knowledgeable people, very nice people, um, and so on. But we sometimes forget that 
it's just a small slice of the larger FPL pie. And sometimes it influenced our decisions, captain choices, player selection, and it turned out to be the wrong thing. So we need to think and act for ourselves, I guess is where I'm going with that one. All right, last couple things here, and then we're going to wrap up. Players on our watch list for next season. Do you have any key players that um, you know we'll want to start with when we start to shape up our our new team? Yeah. So um, the players we have that are sort of the the players I was talking about, where it's the key person you want to build your team around. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two obvious ones are KDB and Trent. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were great this season. Yeah. Um, looking forward to this next season. They shouldn't lose too much form either, considering mm-hmm. the short restart. Uh, we also have Bruno. Yeah. Uh, we saw the amount of like goals and assists he had. The amount of influence he has yeah. in the game is... And considering that FPL is a lot more of a uh, simplistic scoring system, uh-huh. where it's just, do you, did you get goals checked? Did you get right. an assist? Right. Um, I think Bruno's a great option. Yep. Um, I think Pope... Uh, you know, I want to see defensively, you know, are there key injuries, uh, resolved and better? Uh, I think Henderson is another great option too, but right now it's Pope. Um, those will be sort of the core of our team. Certainly there are returning players from this past season, premium players, uh, that we'll, we'll look at too, like Sterling, Jimenez, Doherty, uh, Moe. Mares, I think, if he can, even when he doesn't start, I mean, look at what he did on, on, on the last day. He came in in limited time and had a goal and an assist. And probably, I think, could have had at least one more of each in that game, too, in, uh, what, 25 minutes, maybe, on the pitch. So, um, you know, because of the five, the five sub rule, uh, players like that that wouldn't, even if they don't start, they're very, very likely to come in and we know can make an impact. Yeah. So someone like Amar- Amarez, I think, is a good player. Uh, Kieran Tierney, really impressed. Wish we would have owned him uh, after the restart and Anthony Martial. Um, then some enablers, and certainly these guys' prices will probably go up, uh, but still not as high as the ones we just listed. Greenwood, if it looks like he's going to have a starting role on the team, Maybe even if not, if his price is low enough. Um, certainly Phil Foden with David Silva gone now. We'd expect Phil Foden to take on a larger... Yeah, pretty much just be a direct replacement. Yep, and he clearly did well. Um, Pulisic, for sure. John Egan. I think uh, Bowley, Willie Bowley, is a great one. He's big for uh, for BPS and bonus points. Um, Saka, Garcia, and Antonio. Think we have on that list too and then some incoming players of course we know that Timo Werner and Ziyech are in definitely uh, up for consideration and then of course if Jaden Sancho comes into I just wish we had enough budget for all these guys I wish we just had an unlimited budget that would be that would be nice um, so let's transition then into the last section of this and talk about things that we'd like to see in the FPL game next season. Um, I think personally that the FPL deadline should be moved to kickoff of the first games that game week. So whatever the early games are, just make that the deadline. 
I don't think it's hurtful at all to be able to see uh, the the lineups of whatever teams are playing in those early games. Um, you know, other other uh, fantasy football games do it quite successfully, like uh, fantasy Bundesliga or Bundesliga fantasy, I guess it's called. Um, they do that. I don't see the harm in that at all. Uh, another thing on our wish list. Much like the way Bundesliga Fantasy does it, and even uh, Champions League Fantasy to a degree, is let's see points added for additional actions. So you mentioned, Josh, that you know it's really kind of the big actions that get the points. It's goals, assists, and clean sheets. Pretty much that, really. Um, but it, it, that eliminates a lot of players from the game, a lot of defensive mids, holding mids, players that... You know, complete a lot of passes, uh, maybe dispossess a lot of players. You know, have all the sort of those those gritty stats um, where they don't get rewarded for those in FPL, but they do in other games. So um, I'd like to see that element. I think it brings a whole other uh, element yeah, uh, and and options to the game. Yeah, definitely. I think it's only a good change. And the thing is, I th- I feel like. Even though fantasy Premier League is the biggest fantasy for any football, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely the most different from the yeah. other ones where they sort of have a general theme of yep. something else. And also, it doesn't make sense to me that they can't give more points for these, considering they have the bonus point system, right? Which pretty much yeah focuses on a lot of these stats of like, oh, did he have a did he create a big chance? You're yeah. gonna get some bonus points for that. Like you'll get some BPS, which will then go to your yeah. getting a bonus point. So. I think they could just transfer that into just more in points. game, right? Yeah. Adding those in game, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> I agree. A um, couple more here. Um, if and we posted this on our Instagram page. Looks like there's maybe four teams that will not start at the very beginning of the season, which is that first game week or match week uh, begins on the 12th of September. That's Man City, Man United, Wolves, and Chelsea. That's a lot of key players. That'll be probably, you know, players from those teams will probably make up two-thirds, maybe 75% of our team. So, you know, to accommodate for that um, and not have to take hits or, you know, spend transfers or, or wild card right away or anything, would love for FPL to provide maybe unlimited transfers until all teams are available and in action maybe give three or five free transfers a week or something that will allow managers to get city united wolves and chelsea players into their team when they're when they're ready to play um another one uh on our wish list is to allow in-game week substitution so again much like Bundesliga Fantasy and UCL Fantasy do. Um, If a player on our bench hasn't played yet, his team hasn't played yet, uh, we'd like for the game to allow us to sub him in and sub off a player that's already played. Uh, Maybe someone we'd hope to get, you know, in the double digits only got two points for the game or maybe had, you know, got injured and had to come off and only got a one-pointer. You know, allow us the ability to sub on someone from our bench to see if we can earn more points. Um, it allows managers to stay more engaged and more active 
uh, in the game week versus you know once the deadline comes, everything being out of yeah, it's just l- our hands. Luck. Yeah, uh, I think th- I think that is a. Uh, I really like that idea, and I like the way that these other fantasy games have done that. And then lastly, and our last piece here, and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, new chips, proposed new chips that we maybe would want to add to the game. And I know that you guys out there probably have a lot that you would like too. Um, what do we got, Josh? What's our, right, so our we first have one, one that we call it the budget booster, and uh, we haven't we don't have an exact uh, like amount, mm-hmm. but we're saying you you get more money for one game week. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of free hit wise, yeah, it's temporary. Yeah, once the game week is over, your team goes back to normal, mm-hmm. but you get a boost in money. It might be unlimited. It might be twenty million, yeah, ten million, fifty million. <laughs> but the key is you get extra money to spend. Yep, something where you could get in all those premium players that you wanted <clears throat> just for ga- one game week. I really like that budget booster idea. Um, and then. Another one we had, and really the only other one we had, is maybe something almost like a little mini free hit. Maybe you get five free transfers for one game week. Um, or maybe not even as a mini a mini hit, or sorry, a, uh, a free hit. Maybe those five free transfers, you can use that chip once, and those transfers stay. Just like accumulating two free transfers, and those guys stay in your team. Maybe you get... Or maybe it's not five. Maybe it's three free transfers, just for one, just one for one use only. But those players stay in your team like any other uh, free transfer would. I think adding some new dimension to the game, some new features, I think would be fun. Um, we'll post something on our Instagram page, asking for your ideas too, because I'm sure there's lots of great uh, potential new chip ideas out there. So would be great to hear from you guys. Uh, what your thoughts are on these. Well, my friend, I think that's going to do it. We're going to put a little bow on the 2019-20 season, unlike anything that there's ever been, hopefully unlike anything that there will be. Um, But as we've posted, super grateful that the season did come back at all because it looked for a long time like it wasn't going to. And certainly super grateful that we got to finish um, with the football that we love so much. Yeah, it was. I'm just glad that we were able to see it. And it's. I'm glad, too, that uh, that the new season is right, literally right around the corner. So don't leave us at all. Don't go anywhere. Uh, there's plenty of content to be had. And before you know it, we're going to start planning for the new FPL season. So uh, we'll see you guys next time on the podcast and we'll see you before then on Instagram. So until next time we say peace peace, and goodbye.